All right, let's, you guys, let's talk about going for the gold um, in marriage. I think a lot of people live in loveless marriages and they just survive and don't really have intimacy or connection and um, get through the years and raise kids together and that's that. So what are you describing our first 14 years? Is that... (laughs) Oh, maybe. Yeah, ho- <laughs> no, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are. Hopefully going forward, it's different. So It will be. Um, you know, I think a lot of people live this way. They, you know, they, they find a comfortable place in marriage where there's not a ton of conflict, but there's also not a lot of intimacy and connection. And, um, you know, we get stuck in that rut. And I don't think any of us got married hoping to have a roommate you know we want something more out of marriage so i i think the first thing let's talk about is is how does it happen you know how how do you get stuck there you say you were there the first 14 years of your marriage right don't you think yeah Yeah. i mean the way you described it of saying the sorry kobe i'm like moving saying that you want to avoid conflict that was our whole goal was avoid conflict so that we don't have to talk about the hard stuff and actually have maybe some growth. Yeah. Yes. I, I think it was also out of a, um, I think that existence that we had has everything to do with the fact that we, um, we didn't want to be uncomfortable for like, to be sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to, there, therefore we avoided, but, um, we also, um, we didn't have the skills. Like it wasn't modeled for us how to deal with like typical things, how to have how, how to deal with conflict, and so it was just like, oh, so what can we enjoy? What what can we do to avoid this? And so I think that was probably really where it came from. Yeah. So I mean, I think you're spot on, Kobe. Is one you you don't like pain, you don't like conflict, so you just you just avoid it, and when you avoid it, then you avoid getting close and. You know, a marriage is like anything. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And when you start avoiding, you're, you're not going to get much out of, out of your marriage. Um, the other thing is the lack of skill. Um, you start to avoid it because it feels like you're beating your head against a wall. The, you know, the more you go for intimacy and connection, these unhealthy patterns of behavior are in your marriage. It's all you know. You don't know how to do anything different. And so why keep trying when it ends up in a fight, when it ends up, like you're feeling rejected and you shut each other down. And so it's easier to just shut up, um, smile and go on with life. Right. But it's really not. That was, that was totally us. And if you think about this, Ashlyn, like we would, um, if, if we weren't avoiding, then the only thing that we were doing when we talked about tough stuff was fighting. Totally. Like there wasn't anything in between. And I think that goes to back what, what you alluded to, which is, we had no like skill set at all to deal well, with this. And I think you say like our 14 years of marriage was this unconnected whatever, but we had moments and the difference is now I can see those connecting moments and they are not what we have now because we are willing to talk about some of those things that maybe you wouldn't like to, but those are the things that can absolutely connect you and bring that intimacy. So what you're saying, Ashlyn, is... And what I'm hearing you say is now that you guys know how to create safety in your marriage and have that safety to talk about hard things, 
then you're you're willing to go there. You're willing to talk about those hard things. Yeah, that vulnerability, really. Yeah. I mean, when when either of us is vulnerable, and it can be anything, you know, in marriage, it's an immediate connection because you're like, oh, okay, they're they're letting down some of their whoever that is that that's holding back the that vulnerability. They're letting it down, and they're finding that safe place with me. So the walls have been broken down. Yeah. Um, the, the vulnerability is available, and if both if you can if you can both communicate what's vulnerable to you, but also hold and empathize with what's vulnerable to the other person, then you're getting intimacy. You're getting real connection. Um, things that break down intimacy and these unhealthy patterns. One is a lack of communication skills. Just a lack of being able to connect. Um, another is is shame. We talk about shame all the time. Yeah. Um, when you have a lot of shame, then you don't want to get vulnerable, and so your defenses are very, um, very present, very there. Uh, you know, easily triggered. And so, if you want intimacy in your marriage, then you're going to have to work on your own shame, so that you can both express um, things vulnerably and hold and have some empathy, hold space for the other person, right? I love that. And it's it's absolutely the truth. And it, I, I don't think you read that in places. You know, to have more intimacy, you need to work on yourself and figure out the shame. But that's really, that was a huge part of my change was when I worked on my shame. Right, exactly. So when you worked on your shame, Ashlyn, then you became probably safer for Kobe. and um, But you were also... It was it was just safer for yourself to engage even if Kobe's healthy or not, it's safer for yourself to engage with him, right? Um, so let me ask you this question, Kobe. When you here's another thing that breaks down intimacy. Um, when you were in the midst of all the lies, how intimate were you? How how available, <laughs> how vulnerable were you? Yeah, I, I it was um, I, I wasn't, but if I can give you like a peek behind the curtain of what my thought process was, it was entirely, and I think Ashlyn, you'll be able to identify with this and, and see this. And once I say this, it was like, I wasn't vulnerable and I wasn't willing to be emotional. I wasn't willing to reveal myself because I didn't want to give any hint to the lies. Like I didn't want to yeah. expose myself in any way emotionally to compromise a secret to compromise the emotional affair or to compromise the uh, and reveal the second affair or to talk about, um, for instance, if I was in on, on a trip and I was in, you know, overseas and I had relapsed, I, I didn't I didn't want to allude to anything about like I, I didn't want to even say I, I avoided even saying if I didn't sleep last night because I was jet lagged, which is like to totally be expected when you're in like a completely different continent. But I didn't even want to allude to that right. because for fear of that might be like, oh, so you didn't sleep last night. So what did you do? Stay up all night and watch porn? Right. Act out? Right. And and so your question, yes, that's exactly it. But that's for me, it was like if I can keep distance between Ashlyn and I, then she's not going to suspect that something really went sideways. So, But that in and of itself is evidence well, yeah. of behavior that, that indicates acting out. It's just we didn't realize it at the time. Right, because she – she couldn't connect to the real you. I mean, you were you were just a, you were hyper vigilant in your defenses, 
against anything that she might say. And so you can't open up about anything because you have things to hide. So that was my emotional Heisman. Yeah. <laughs> and how I was in that. There is, there is no way to, to have an intimate, connected marriage with, with a ton of secrets. It doesn't happen. Um, there's no way to have an intimate, connected marriage with a ton of shame, right? Um, there, here's another one for you. There's no way to have an intimate, connected marriage with a ton of resentment. And so how do you, how do you let go of that? How do you work through that? What do you guys think? Oh, man. I think it's like the answer that we always have. It's work on yourself and <laughs> yeah. find empathy. Yeah. Yeah, really. Uh, we could throw that at everything and have your boundaries, right? right. <laughs> but um, resentment, though, I, I will. Uh, let me just say this, though. I'm trying to put myself back when I was really in resentment. And I think um, what it was was... Like blaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, I, when I'm in resentment, I'm so deep into the, the rabbit hole of blaming You're a you. victim. Yeah. Totally, right? It's like it was all about Ashlyn. And so it's like it goes alludes to the, to the drama triangle. As soon as I took responsibility for my own stuff, then I could be victim, which meant I had way less resentment. Now, right. I might have some core, some core issues that maybe are valid issues, but they, those, those are like masked and completely buried when I'm in victim mode. And, and blaming you. That, that is the way out of resentment is you taking accountability and, and being honest and owning your stuff. Because resentment is caused by one of two things. Either you haven't been assertive and held a boundary and been honest, or you haven't really truly let go of something and surrendered. And you can do, the good news is, is that's up to you. You can do one of those two things. Um, if you just sit there and you don't let go of things, you don't surrender, um, but you also don't have a boundary, that's on you, right? It's not on the other person. And it's easy to get locked in resentment. One of the reasons why resentment causes years and years of a loveless marriage, it's easier to get locked in resentment than it is to stop and say, hang on, how am I contributing to a marriage that doesn't have love? Um, you know, how is this on me? And so, you know, Ashlyn, if you can blame Kobe and Kobe, if you can blame Ashlyn, then one thing you don't have to do is look at yourself, right? And people will do that for years and they'll choose that over trying to create love in their marriage. Let me give you a real life example, actually, a, a con like contrast. Um, it, when we talk about like having skills to be able to, for me, for instance, take responsibility of my own stuff so that I can get out of a victim mode and resentment. Um, in 2000, it was like, I think Mother's Day. Remember Mother's Day when we lived on Picturesque? Mm -hmm. um, that was like a place when we had a huge, huge, Ash was like in probably the height of betrayal trauma. And remember right before Mother's Day, she was like, she had lashed out and we had this huge fight and I fought back and was a total douche for sure not understanding at all not like entirely unempathetic and I think we went to church that Mother's Day and we sat in different rows I think I sat behind you didn't we I had also miscarried the month before I think right no, no well it's not that that's not a lot part of, of it there was there was like enormous amounts of trauma um, but my point is is that like I was entirely blaming you and I was entirely unskilled to be sure and you likewise were like He's such a douche. Like, I can't believe him. He's, like, scared that I'm pregnant. And then I miscarried. And, 
he's all afraid about that and he's not there. I mean, there's like all kinds of ways you could have resentment towards me for sure, right? Well, that's one, that's, that's one, I mean, it was like days and days and days. I don't know how long it lasted that fight, but it was a long time. Contrast that to the, the fight we had um, before my 40th, um, that was that was a really big fight for us, it, it, relatively speaking, to uh, to our marriage. But once we both emotionally calmed down, it took like a 30-minute conversation. Right. And we were like oh. apologizing. <laughs> we were like crying with each other. It we ended in hugging. a real connection. It, yeah. yeah, it yeah. really was connection. So um, when, when we talk about like the importance of skills, like once, like, like we worked on ourselves and because we worked on ourselves, we became aware of what um, I became aware, for instance, of, of blame and how I was in victim mode and how to take responsibility and own my own stuff. And you I identified became, your emotions. Yeah, my own emotions and my own stuff that I needed to take care of in order to, to get into a healthy emotional state, as did you. And once we actually talk, then it's like, mm, 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 right. mm, and we're like golden. And compassion and empathy is possible yeah. at that point, right? For sure. Um, but if, if you hang on to resentment, if you, if you would have just been stuck in how, what a horrible person Ashlyn is yeah. in that fight, then there's no way it would have ended that way. No it way. probably would have ended eventually in, you know, you just giving up and shutting down and. Or you have the same fight again a million times. and again <laughs> and again. Yeah. We've done um, that. Yeah. Yeah. And if, as, when couples do that, they, you know, they have it over and over and then eventually they just like. Let's not talk about yeah, that. Yeah, they, they think the other person's a joke or crazy or whatever, and so why go try, yeah. right? Um, which leads to another one, which is hopelessness. Um, if you have a lot of hopelessness, then you're not going to put forth an effort to create connection and love in your marriage. So if you get to a place where, and this is a really scary place to get, um, but where, why, you know, why even try? Um, the other person doesn't care. The other. Oh, like a classic case of the efforts. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so, you know, I have the efforts, so I'll just I'll just sit here and do nothing because what's the point? Now, what I have to say to that is, that's on you if you choose to do that, um, because, and, and I'm going to be kind of blunt and direct here. That hurts your spouse, it hurts you, and it hurts your kids. Um, and I realize it's a tough position to be in because you feel like you're trapped. There's nothing you can do, but there is something that you can do. And hopelessness is always a lie. Um, things can always move forward. And if you're just, if you're just hunkering down in your pain and your shame and your disconnection, then stand up and figure out how to, how to create connection in your life, because you can, um, learn how to first love yourself, learn how to love others, learn how to have compassion for your spouse who may suck at, at connecting to you and not know how to do it and maybe wallowing in addiction or betrayal trauma or whatever it is, you still can have compassion and connection and learn how to do that. It doesn't mean you have to break boundaries um, or give up truths, right? And so can I add something here, Brandon? So I was the person who did not know how to be vulnerable, did not know how to connect in other ways outside of physical, okay? Mm -hmm. And so when I really started to try to make efforts in order to be vulnerable and to say things that were really uncomfortable for me, even like, I'm sorry, is really, was like a big step for me. 
Rex was the fight we had continuously for years and years. Yeah, like you don't say I'm sorry the right way. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So um, I think a huge part of that is you're mentioning like if your spouse doesn't know how to do it, it is a learned skill. And yes. so recognize that and celebrate them when they try because Absolutely. it's so hard. Yes. Yes, rather than focus on everything that they're not doing Still and how hopeless right. it is. <laughs> but oh my gosh, like they tried a little thing that that at least they're trying, right? So hopelessness, um, a step further than hopelessness is um, is really scary when you get here in a relationship, and that's apathy. Ooh, it's yeah, just, for sure. it's just like, I don't care anymore. I'm done. And, and, and that's a really scary place because I think that's the place that I was in I know that was a place of apathy. That was the season I was in before both affairs, I think. Maybe maybe for sure the first one. And I think I was still, in, in a sense, in a place of, of, of apathy. And, and, and that's just like, yeah, I just don't care. Pulling out of that is, for couples, it's possible. I mean, you guys have done that, right? But when you're in that place, your relationship is really on the brink of, you know, either either you're you're married still but you have no relationship or it ends in a divorce Mm -hmm. because when you really truly get to that place of i don't care like i don't care if you jumped off a bridge i don't care if you came and tried to hug me right now i don't care i don't want to connect to you at all Mm -hmm. and um you know listen to that emotion for what it is i think because it's still an important emotion it's saying something is not working something has to change Again, it's not hopeless, um, but but something needs to change. Now, I want you to identify this because I just thought this crossed my mind. Is is it possible for? Um, I think it's possible for both partners in a relationship to have apathy. But is it possible that one partner have apathy and the other part, the other partner be completely ignorant to that? Uh, to that. Oh my gosh! Are you describing our relationship? <laughs> but but I think that's important to note. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like I was like completely in that state of apathy so but in your experience as the expert is is that is that the case i see it all the time and and it's is that re- where it primarily exists where one partner's in apathy and the other partner has no a partner has no idea you know i'd say it differently i'd say one partner might, might be apathetic mm-hmm. about the connection in the relationship and the other partner um really really has an idea um but they don't know what they're dealing with and so what i mean is I don't know how big it is. is yeah. When, when somebody really disconnects in apathy, when there's not love there, they the other partner will feel it and know it. Okay. You know how that manifested for us? Hmm. Every time you asked me, are you having an affair? Yeah. And I would say no, because that's probably, we, you, you probably had, those were gut feelings for you, were they not? Yeah. No, I would, I would ask him a lot at this second affair. Like, you don't seem like you. You're very different. And um, it uh-huh. was immediate, like, don't, just don't, don't connect. Don't talk don't about talk. it. Yeah, yeah it yep. was like defenses. And not only, not only was I unwilling to be vulnerable, but I was aggressive. I would, I would say, but, but I would say you weren't apathetic. No? No, because did you care if I apathetic died would have been, yeah, I, yeah, I am. Why do you care? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't I care. I wasn't an apathy then. I don't care if you're hurt by that. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. So apathy really is scary. You were still in defensiveness. You were okay. still in, yeah, I don't want to, you were in shame, not apathy. Okay. I don't want to get found out. And so you were disconnecting because of your shame. Thank you for clarifying yeah. that for me. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, disconnection, you think about connection and it's not just, um, 
it's not just connecting, like having sex, for example. Mm -hmm. It's not just having sex in your marriage means you have intimacy. Um, connection happens subtly and it happens consistently. And it's little things like smiling at each other or, you know, maybe a little inside joke or a hug. You just feel an energy of connection when you're there and connected. The, the opposite is true. If the other person is constantly not wanting to connect with you, then, then you feel that dullness. You feel that rejection mm -hmm. um, that might not be blatant, hey, I reject you, I don't want you. Meaning it might not be mindful, it could be mindless. Yeah, yeah, from the part of the rejector, so to speak. Like they're mindlessly rejecting you. They just don't want to connect to you. And, and you'll feel that as the partner um, and, and you'll know that it's happening but you might feel a little bit crazy. You might get accused of being needy um, because you want more connection. Things aren't working in the relationship. And so um, getting intimacy is, you know, sex is a great way to have intimacy. Um, but intimacy is much more complex than that. And it's a spiritual, emotional, physical connection that happens in a relationship. Um, sometimes in order to go for intimacy in a relationship. Uh, here's another thing that holds people back is fear. Um, they don't want to um, create change and change is difficult. Mm. And so it's hard to, it's easier to sit back and just kind of live the way you're living than it is to just, it, sometimes it takes real conflict. Sometimes it takes real honesty in order for change to happen. So a relation, I see a relationship get worse before it gets better oftentimes, where somebody has to kick up the dust a little bit and say, look, like here's where I'm at. This is the truth. This is not working. I can't keep going this way. And so, you know, you get caught in a, in a, between a rock and a hard place of, I don't want to go, go cause conflict in my marriage because I know it'll end up in a fight and we don't have the tools to work through that but I also don't want to end up being resentful and apathetic at the same time. And so I'm going to go for it and I'm not going to go be a, a mean jerk and kick up the dust that way, but I'm not going to avoid hard topics and I'm going to push that other person to meet my boundaries. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. I'm looking at you saying, okay, you can share now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was just looking at, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can identify moments in, in, in our marriage when that happened. In fact, I, I had, I mean, that was what you just described was exactly us when right before um, our therapist, Amy Andra said, okay, Kobe, you're ready and she's ready to disclose the second affair. Yep. And, and but, but what was crazy is we were like six weeks into specialized therapy, right? And things were going so right. well. There was so much harmony, right. like deep, like real great connection. So why kick up harmony? the dust, know, Kobe? Exactly. You know, exactly. And I assure you that that our lives modeled exactly what you just said yeah. because our lives turned upside down. All of a sudden, after I disclosed that second affair, I was living in the basement. We didn't talk for like six weeks. We Not functioned as parents and as partners, but we didn't talk. And it's because the depth of the of the betrayal and what that was. So it did, in fact, for us, it take it, it, it took that happening for us to really turn the next corner. But but in truth, 
excuse me, we needed that. Recovery demanded that we kick up the dust, become uncomfortable so we could get past that. And, and so glad that we did. And, and I'll say if, if there's, you know, if you're listening to this right now, and, and you're thinking like, man, things are okay. Like we can function. The kids are happy. They're busy. We're busy. We're not super connected. I know we need to address some stuff. It's like have the courage to do it. But if you need help, then get a really great therapist to walk you through that. Someone that you trust. Someone that's competent. Ashley has the jingle on my on my watch. But um, someone that, that you can trust to help guide you through that because that was exactly what we needed. And just remember that as much as is that's uncomfortable, that uncomfortable feeling is just a small season in life that you can adjust to. Right. Recovery is very, for the, for the betrayed and addicted, in my opinion, is very much about being okay with being uncomfortable. Right. Because you realize, wait, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm not gonna die. Right, I can <laughs> sit in that pain, I can be uncomfortable. And, and this is gonna sound weird, but disclosing to her about the second affair paid dividends yeah. that sitting in that pain facing it dealing with it and you know what she might have divorced you there was a vulnerable risk to it all and she said right that. i don't know how i'm gonna stay yeah and she very well could have and that happens all mm-hmm. the time it still would have been the right thing to do totally agree. or else you would have been stuck in a loveless marriage where you could only get so deep with her yep. right and, and and no matter if we would have stayed or not if i had done that that would have saved me if like if she divorced me um, and, and I hadn't disclosed that, right? Meaning I hadn't gone that place. I would have taken that same, that same amount of shame about that into my next relationship. Oh, for sure. Which would have yielded, you know, your he- Your healing effect. would not have happened. No way. No. No way. Yeah. I had to. So sometimes I feel like people look at, okay, we're going to go and we're going to finally get help and maybe create this intimacy that we want. That fear is like I'm. They're looking at this long term, and maybe they hear our story and think, "Oh my gosh, they're that far into it, and it still is hard at times." But it's you got to get out of that to get out of fear. You have to look at it like I'm going to do this today, and then tomorrow I'm going to I can do this. I can go and I can go to therapy. I can go to group or whatever it is for you, so that it's not this big giant mountain that you have to get over because it's going to be hard. Well, <laughs> I, I really like that, Ashlyn, and, and I'm going to say um, no matter how bad your marriage is or how stuck you've been or how long you've been stuck in resentment or whatever, you can create some level of connection today. You, it, you know, you don't have to look down the road and say, okay, when I've, when I've worked for as long as Ashlyn and Kobe or th- then we'll start to have this. You can go start to, to love your, your spouse today right where they're at. And, and yeah, there's a lot of steps to go before you have the level of intimacy and safety that you really want, but you can, you can have it now to some degree. And that's just, I mean, that's, isn't that life? Right. Like, I can't just plant raspberries and expect raspberries like next week. Right. Like right. it's the natural, it's the natural process of growth. And if we can meet a plant where it's at and just say, I'm not expecting any raspberries from you, but I'm going to water you and give you sunshine. And I do that consistently, meet it where it's at and give it what it needs. In focus on in. inputs, not output. Yeah. So don't focus on getting sex tonight. Mm-hmm. Focus on figuring out how to love her today. And the sex and the other stuff will start to happen. You'll be harvesting raspberries in no time. To be sure. So I love the raspberry <laughs> analogy because I got a great 
bushel of raspberries <laughs> at my house. So. And, Who, and that started giving me raspberries this year, finally. Did so, they? Yeah. Are they rad? Are they good? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Everything this season, right? Sweet raspberries. Yeah. Expect sweet raspberries next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay, one of the things I want to end every podcast with is, okay, so where is hope found? If you're in a codependent, no, not in a codependent, if you're in a... Um, cohabitating? Is yeah, a cohabitating <laughs> relationship right now. A loveless marriage. A loveless marriage. So, in a nutshell, where can hope be found for you? Well, I want to go backwards a little bit with that question is, you know, I've been, Jenny and I, my wife, we celebrate our anniversary in a month, our 13 year anniversary. That's awesome. Congrats. And, uh, you know, because I'm a therapist, we've had a perfect marriage, (laughs) as you know. (laughs) No, not really. We've had our ups and downs, right? And uh, there's been moments of resentment and blame and all all of that stuff. Um, But one thing about us is we're willing to work and we're not willing to give up and just settle for disconnection in our marriage. And um, I just want to say that the best thing in my life is my connection to her. And there's nothing that compares to that. And um, I, I, when I hear about these loveless marriages, you're missing out on the greatest thing that there is. And, um, and so where is their hope? If you if if you can't you can't force your spouse to love you, right? You can't force each other to love you. Um, but you can start to love the other person. And so I think that's where you begin is figure out what what's going on with you that you can't create love. And and go do that in your marriage. Start there. And then look at your boundaries and 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 if you get to a point where you're doing everything you can to create love and and the other person wants to be in a loveless marriage you may may have to move on and but hope is is that you can move forward you you don't have to stay stuck so any thoughts on that um i just i have a a few people who've said this a lot lately they say my husband is amazing and he's so good and i want these things if you feel that that right there to me is hope finding hope in like they are such a good person and there's a reason that you were drawn together in the first place right and so maybe it's going backwards and saying what what brought me to you and why did I fall in love with you because I need to figure that out and and make it bring it back right Mm -hmm. right I guess the last thing I would say to just add to this is if you are that person who is seeking connection you know that there's uh, you've coexisted for some time and you want change like Brandon said, sometimes we have to be willing to kick up dust in order to get to something that's really good and rip off the scab, right? Rip off the Band-Aid, excuse me, in order to, to, to get to proper healing. So my, my point would be is if you have a partner who's willing to just say, okay, this is, this is we're okay, but it can be so much better. And if they're willing to get help, then go get help. Yeah. But if they're not... You can still work on you now. And the cool thing is, and I we've proven this, is as you work on the me, then you're more capable of working on the we. You're more effective yes. in your own Great way point. to give to your partner who's unwilling, and you'll be more skilled yourself to identify your own emotions. Your, your weaknesses. Your yeah. And gain a skill set that can help you love yourself and love the person. Because I guarantee you this, there's not one partnership where if some if one of the two worked on themselves and became a better individual and more skilled at empathy, 
more skilled at listening, more skilled at identifying their emotions, there's no way that's not going to have an effect on the partner who's not willing. Right. And that effect could very easily be a catalyst for them wanting to seek change. Or to, whether it's, it's with a therapist or on their own. Right. Wanting to change. And so right. the, best, the best thing you can do is just get help and work on you. Yep. In my opinion. That's good. I want to add a couple things just to the end here. Um, we, you guys, we have an awesome Facebook page going. If you haven't gone and liked our Facebook page, um, Ashlyn and, and Kobe do some awesome lives, and I do too. And you totally do. <laughs> but but it's just good content, and it's consistent, and it's you know it's not too annoying. It's you know they're short, four to six minutes. Um, also, blogs are coming out. So if you go to our website, uh, betrayedaddictedexpert.com. You can read our blogs. Um, there's a new uh, tool coming out called Picking Up the Pieces. It's about tools for early recovery. So we have a lot of content out there. And, we, you know, we guys, we do this just because we want to help. And, and so any, any of this content, if it's helpful to you, that's what, that's what we're trying to do. And, and if, if you want to share it with somebody else, uh, we'd appreciate that too. Yeah. So. That's, that's your way of giving thanks to what we are providing you. Right. Hey guys, thanks for being here and we'll see you again. Adios.